It's time for Sex Talk with Lou. Lou Paget on Toginet. So, have you ever wondered if you're normal or why you feel distant from your partner? Why they keep doing that? Want to recreate a truly connected relationship? Or wondered, how do I tell my partner or kids about things? Then this is your chance to be a fly on the wall and learn about one of the most important parts of our health, our sexual health. Lou Paget is a certified sex educator, an international best-selling author. And not only will Lou and her guests discuss the most current research, they will put you at the head of the class on good, solid, scientifically-based information and how it will impact you and your family. Known for delivering information about sexuality and relationships, sans the sleaze factor while retaining all the accuracy, fun, and the you're kidding factor. Let's get to it. Sex Talk with Lou on Toginet. And now, here's your host, Lou Paget. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's show. I trust everyone had a lovely Memorial Day. Um, mine was nice and calm, and I didn't have to travel anywhere, which made it, of course, even better in my mind. So over the, uh, the Memorial Day weekend, one of the things many people like to do is cook and prepare things. So because I had talked about, you know, sexy, you know, um, holidays, how are you going to make your holiday romantic, what things you're going to do in the previous show, you know, whether, whether it's a romantic location, somewhere with beaches, you know, if you want to do things on a boat, if you want to go to a different city. What I want to talk about today is sexy foods. And all things sexy, romantic, connected with foods and preparation. Because one of the things I am well aware of is that most people will not be intimate or connect or be sexual with someone they will not eat with, period. And if we think about it, you know, the seduction meal is something that has been, you know, part of, you know, relationships and people connecting, you know, from time immemorial, including, you know, Dracula, which, by the way, Dracula was a phenomenal cook. And according to the the Bram Stoker story that the one, the British guy that he was going to have be one of his first victims, he prepared a sumptuous feast for him to, so that that appetite was taken care of so that, you know, when Dracula was having his meal, meaning the person, that, you know, he would be fully sated. So, and actually as a result, this is something that I ordered because at one point my twin sister and my niece had this joke about everything Dracula. And I found a Dracula cookbook, swear, I swear to God, and it is from a woman wrote it. So one of the things that people will often do, as we know, when it's, you know, Fourth of July, Memorial Day, whatever it may be, people do theme parties and they do theme meals. But what I wanted to talk about is, the, you know, from an aphrodisiac standpoint, do these meals stand up? And in large part, majority of them do. But here's another reason why these foods can be very seductive and can be very sexy for you is because you think they are. And that is one of the things that for many people, 
whether you call it the placebo effect, whether you call it you are what you believe, whether you call it, you know, food is your drug, whatever you feel gives you something that makes you feel good about yourself, you are going to have a different confidence and you're going to have a different presentation. And confidence is one of the sexiest things that people can have. So I'm going to start with um, a book that, and also the other thing, when you are, if you are cooking together, that is one of the best relationship building things people can do with one another. Because when you are, and you know, and it doesn't have to be complicated cooking. I mean, it can be something as simple as, you know, making the omelet in the morning. Someone does the chopping. Someone does, you know, something over here. And you can do the things together in sort of a dance. And it's you're close to one another. But when you are feeding someone and preparing food for them, there probably isn't anything that, I mean, yes, it's nurturing, but it's also you get to know that person. I have friends of mine who uh, he knows when he's making something for his partner, <clears throat> and they've been together, you know, 25 years at this point. He knows that Tim is not interested in anything adventuresome. So when, you know, he comes and, you know, visits, he and I have a marvelous time because we like to make things that other people aren't necessarily all that interested in. And it is a real relationship-building thing. But I also know if couples want to do something that's a, a real connecting thing for them, go and take a cooking class together. It is so freaking much fun. And but particularly, go and take one where it is interactive so you can actually do the hands-on and it isn't just you sitting and watching. I've done both of them. And... The one where we had to sit and watch, okay, great. We got a whole, you know, you know, raft of papers at the end. But we didn't get any of the actual practical stuff. And I know from my seminars that when people want to learn something, they learn better when there's muscle memory connected to it. Just as an example, if you play tennis, you can watch tennis, but it's a completely different thing when you get on that court and you feel that ball hitting the racket. It's a completely different thing when you get on the course and you hit that golf ball. Completely different. So that's why. And the other thing you can do is when you go and prepare these meals together, it then builds more history for the two of you. And if you've ever watched when couples are talking about how they like to cook or how they like to prepare things, it is it's a real connected thing. You know, a person may say, oh, I like to put this with it or I like to put that and, you know, play doing the cooking show. But the real thing is that people socialize with food. It is one of the biggest, you know, let's get together for a meal, let's break bread. And those things create the interaction. And I was speaking with a friend of mine, Ova Cohen, and she's the woman who has uh, created the the company uh, Grohan Technologies, and her she has vaginal uh, renewal complex and facial renewal complex, fabulous products, by the way. And when she was going into her second marriage, one of the things she did to build relationship with her new husband, Milton's, his children and her children, which at this point were, you know, they were young adults, was to say 
every weekend there would be one night where they would get together and it created a new history and created a new connection for them going forward. And I also find that, you know, for people when they are dating, to be able to create food for someone, that's a special thing because oftentimes people just go, okay, let's just go to a restaurant. Well, yeah, anyone can go to a restaurant and order, but to have and find out from someone, what can I create for you specially? That's, I mean, that's the beauty of being, a, you know, a good host hostess is to create something from your heart and from your hands for that person. I am reminded of a friend of mine by the name of Bernie Zilbergeld. He was one of the, you know, uh, all sexuality and the new male sexuality. And Bernie ended up um, having a condition where literally he could not eat. All of his food had to be liquid. And he said it really it became a very isolating event for him because he could not um, go and have lunch with someone. He could not have, you know, meet them somewhere for a meal. And he said he did not realize how much of his social life and his connectedness with people was based on food. So I'm going to be talking about what I think are some of the sexiest foods that one can have. I went online and I looked at some of them. And I have to tell you, if the, if the sexiest food that someone can make is something that is sort of drenched in garlic and other things like that, I'm not so sure how sexy that is. Unless, of course, you both are having lots of garlic. One woman in my seminar said, if you are, if you are eating something spicy, you both must have spicy. Your chemistries must blend. And, and because I know there are times where someone's body chemistry might be off as a result of what they're eating, I always recommend if you're going to be doing a seduction meal or sexy foods or, you know, you want this to lead to something afterwards, make sure you don't eat too much, okay, and that it is something that keeps a fairly neutral body chemistry or, you know, things because... If you are going to be up close and personal and kissing, no one wants to know that you've just had garlic basil chips, right? Um, it's kind of like that's a no-brainer turnoff. One of the things that if you are able to find them, try some champagne grapes. They don't last very long on shelves. They're tiny little grapes, but they are so uber sweet. They are delicious, and they're such a surprise because they're so little and they're, you know, they're fairly long, but again, they don't last long in grocery, you know, stores because they have a very short shelf life. But they are a great food to put with something like a like a dessert. And you know, the thing about feeding someone food, yeah, that could, you know, that's one way of doing it. I uh, remember a woman who she and her husband had gotten married in their mid-40s. And she said, we knew we weren't going to be able to have, you know, to be married for 60 years. So she said, we had to ramp it up. So their way of ramping it up was to have nude dinner once a week. And they would prepare the meal together. They would eat what they had prepared. And then it would just, they would just sort of segue into whatever form of intimacy they wanted. But it was something that for them, 
they look forward to. It wasn't, you know, as a friend of mine, Charlie Gleckman, said, people who say that relationships are work, most people do not associate work with something that, you know, unless there's a financial, you know, component to it, they aren't necessarily going to want to do it. Now, we're coming up to my first break. When I come back, I'm going to go into some recipes and the foods that I think comprise sexy foods and sexy foods for your summer. So here come the tunes. Please stay with me. I'll be right back. Sex Talk with Lou on Toginet with your host, Lou Padgett. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more sex talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on Toginet.com. ever been rock climbing? I recently tried rock climbing for the first time while on vacation in Colorado. I was a total Gumby. That's slang for a newcomer to the sport. As a Gumby, I was guilty of excessive hangdogging or holding onto the rope instead of grabbing the rocks. Rappelling, also called abseiling, is descending down the rock using the ropes. As I was climbing up, my husband hollered up to me, hey, there must be a word for this. Quicks a tickle or a foolish, capricious person in the pursuit of ideals came quickly to mind. When I finally got to the top, it started raining, and there I was, literally between a rock and a hard place. What's the word for the fear of high places? Batophobia. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Diabetes is becoming a common word because it is so widespread in our society now. According to Health Magazine, the difference between type 1 diabetes and type 2 is type 1 is an autoimmune disease that destroys insulin-producing cells in the pancreas. It is usually diagnosed in people younger than 18 but can strike at any age. Insulin is used to help manage the disease. Type 2 is when the body loses its sensitivity to insulin and is usually diagnosed in older obese people. But now it's even showing up in children. It is treated with lifestyle changes, oral medication, or insulin. Can exercise and diet really help? You bet. A healthy diet full of vegetables, fruit, whole grains, and low-calorie foods will help you keep the weight off that can cause type 2 diabetes. Daily exercise is the key to keeping lean and fit. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Okay, so let's start with what I think are sexy foods. To me, a food that 
makes you know that you know gets all of your attention. Let's be you know really candid here. I I love to watch cooking shows, by the way, and what I look for is, and I love the comment that you eat with your eyes first. So anything that has that colorful appeal, and most times when you're making something, if you want to have all of the flavors blend together, typically you have to make each, you know, the mouthfeel and the bites have to be proportionate. So your veggies should be all the same size. If you're doing strips of veggies, if you're doing pickled veggies, whatever you might be doing, make sure they're similar size so one doesn't one one thing doesn't overwhelm. So let's start. I'm going to look into, there's a book that I have. It's called Intercourses, an Aphrodisiac Cookbook. So I'm just flipping it open. And one of the foods that many people will associate with being aphrodisiacal or being something that will, you know, get someone in the mood is chocolate, okay? Now, whether it's the Aztecs or the Mayans and, you know, they recognize the potency of chocolate. But the the thing is that, and apparently Montezuma, who was the Aztec ruler, reportedly drank 50 you know, cups of chocolate each day to better serve his harem of 600 women. Well, okay, maybe, maybe yes, maybe no. But the thing of it is that there is a little bit of caffeine in it, the jolt of caffeine, but it also contains what is known as phenylethylalanine. And this is the molecule that is in your in your system when you are in love. And so what it does is, it, and there are some people for whom eating chocolate is a very soothing thing, and it makes sense. And if you really want your chocolate to do something, you know, big, here's one way to make chocolate really come alive. to Have it with some red wine. Have some dark chocolate with some red wine. It doesn't work with milk chocolate. It doesn't work with some white chocolate. It doesn't work with white wine. But it does the chocolate and the red wine together in combination. Awesome. So, for example, one sexy food that you can make that takes care of all the senses, the smell, the visual, the you know taste, is chocolate chunk cookies. And you can get different recipes for it, but what they are is you've got that delicious butteriness along with and serve them warm. American Airlines knows what they're doing when they serve their, you know, their hot chocolate, their little chocolate chip cookies at the end of a flight when you're in business first. They're great. And <clears throat> but one of the other things that chocolate has is it really is that thing that you can put into so many different dishes. You can make it with truffles. You can do uh, a cake. You can do a pudding. You can do a mole sauce with, you know, if you're serving like a chicken. But you can make so many different things, drinks, anything that will incorporate chocolate. Now, chocolate itself has, you can, of course, you know, buy it in chunks or buy it. I recommend getting the best possible chocolate you can buy. Do not buy Hershey's. It's garbage. Garbage. And the other one that I, you know, I the Giardelli's, not great. Truly, they are not great. If you can get British chocolate, do so. But sadly, the Cadbury's, which is the British chocolate that I would recommend because it has a higher butterfat content, 
much more delicious, was purchased by an American company, which then tells me it's going to run the quality of the chocolate into the ground. Sadly, it's sad but true. <clears throat> now, if one of the things, let's talk about creating a menu, a sexy menu. So what you can do is <clears throat> start off with, let's say, okay, I'm going to give you an example of a sexy vampire dinner. The uh, vampire dinner adieu. So what you can do, and these were <clears throat> recipes that were out of the vampire cookbook. So this is clavette à la reine de vampire. So shrimp, queen, shrimp for a queen, uh, uh, like a queen de vampire, the queen of the vampires. And those would be done lightly sautéed with a little, you know, just, and make sure, don't put the lemon on them until the end. Because what happens when you put lemon on a shrimp or something before the uh, you cook them is it can cause them to desiccate. It can cause them to get a little too hard. Because what you want to do is you want to have that firmness on the outside, but still, you don't want boingy shrimp, right? No boingy. You want to have firm, you know, the lightness of the shrimp. So you cook them lightly, and then you can serve it with a nice Hungarian wine. Bradashoni Sukabarat. It's a nice uh, Hungarian wine, keeping with your theme. Then you can do, let's say, a, a pasta, scatacini, diabolique. And what you do with that is you can serve it with, this is called a red wine called Egri Bikavar, which is, stand, I believe the translation is bull's blood. It's a very strong, um, very big flavor to it. Again, and when I was creating this vampire dinner, uh, there was a gentleman who was Hungarian, who I, well, I was, at the time I was selling real estate, and Gabor was the one who I asked him, I said, Gabor, tell me, what are the best Hungarian wines to put with these dishes? And he was so sweet. He, gave, he walked me through all of these things. Then the other thing, if you wish, you can finish with a salad, salad bioboda, or and then you can do um, a, a tort, tort nostera too. And, but what you are looking to do is to create things that, like the fettuccine diabolique, how it was diabolical is that the fettuccine was squid ink fettuccine, so it was black, and then it was tossed with a very high-end olive oil. And by the way, when you are tossing your, any of your um, pastas, save a little bit of the hot pasta water so that when you are putting it into the bowl, into the pan that you might be mixing it with, and you're putting, you know, whatever, if you are putting some veggies or something that you've pre-cooked, so that when it, it it's still going to be cooking a little bit while it's still warm, use a little bit of that water to make it, you know, the, to make the, the sauce coat more evenly over the actual pasta. And then how this, the, the fettuccine diabolique, it was then served with what is considered to be another aphrodisiacal food. Da-da-da-da-da! Salmon caviar, okay? So it had that beautiful black glistening uh, with some uh, Italian parsley on the side, you know, the larger leaves parsley. Be careful you get Italian parsley and don't get cilantro. It's a little bit of a shock on the change of, you know, you sort of like, oops, wrong one. But the red of the 
caviar, the salmon caviar on top, beautiful dish. And serve it, again, when you're doing your service presentation for someone, remember how they're going to see it. So the the shrimp was done so that it had a lightness to it. Then you have your fettuccine. Then you could have a salad. Now, you can serve your salad first if that's what you prefer. And then, you know, a dessert. But it, the whole thing is about mixing the, you know, so you've got a seafood dish, you have a pasta dish, then you have a, a veggie salad dish, then you have a chocolate dish, okay? Then you can finish with a cappuccino. You know, again, another aphrodisiacal product for many people is coffee, dark coffee, mainly because of the incredible energy that you can get from caffeine. By the way, if you are looking and you're someone who drinks a number of the uh, energy drinks, take a look at how much of their component part of it is caffeine and sugar. So really what they do is you get a sugar high and then a sugar crash. So better thing to work with if you're going to go for energy, get a piece of of fruit. That will stay in your system better. It isn't uh, um, a manufactured sugar. And and if you are someone who, you know, wants to maintain your energy, that is a far better way to go about doing so than to have um, an energy drink. They are, some of them are just nasty. And by the way, read the back of those labels, okay? And again, you got to be, you have to be the educated consumer these days. So let's go back to other ingredients that people will say are, you know, highly, are, are aphrodisiacal foods. We talked about chocolate. Let's talk about, going here, um, asparagus. And asparagus in and of itself, whether it's because of the shape of it, because you eat it with your fingers, you can eat it while it's either cold or you can have it while warm. Probably, in my mind, the best way to do asparagus, I never boil them. I steam. And steaming, in a, and then have some lemon butter, in a little small ramekin on the side. Again, butter, one of the things that is, you know, all that buttery flavor in the lemon. And then you're able to just dip and eat as you as you choose. Or you can feed your partner. But the thing about any of these things, make sure if you're going to be using, you know, a, a food technique, p- feeding one another, that it doesn't matter if some food drops somewhere, okay? Because you don't want to have to be worried about oh I'm I'm going to have a you know have to have a big cleanup. No, you want to have fun with this, okay? And one of the other things that asparagus they are such beautiful. They are they're just a beautiful you know the the doctrine of signatures says that it um, asparagus were to, meant to improve or aid sex. Well, maybe yes, maybe no. But if you think it's going to, guess what? It will. We're coming up to our next break, and when I come back, I'm going to be going through the oysters, rosemary, flowers, avocado, figs, all of the other considered aphrodisiacal. This is 
Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet. With your host, Lou Paget. techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more sex talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com. Scott Kelly recently broke the record for the longest consecutive time spent in space with over 300 days and counting. Astronaut Kelly says he doesn't really experience the molly grubs or depression, but is fully aware of the dangers of being in space. In other words, he understands the gravity of the situation. Speaking of gravity, in space, your arms don't hang by your side like they do here on Earth. So, astronaut Kelly says he tucks them inside his sleeping bag at night so they don't float in front of him. Hey, isn't it always night in space? He also says that he doesn't get the same satisfaction of laying down to sleep like people on Earth. At least there's no chance of matutalipia. That's getting up on the wrong side of the bed. It's Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Word. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Can muscle turn into fat? It sure looks like it can, but the reality is it can't. When you have tight and defined muscles and you quit working out with weights or exercising at all in some cases, it seems like your hard muscle turns to flab. Remember, Muscle and fat are two different entities, and one cannot turn into another. What happens is when you stop exercising, your muscle fibers grow smaller, while your fat cells grow larger. With exercise, your muscles make the fibers grow, and when you stop exercising, they reduce in size. Likewise, your body's fat cells can change in size depending on how much fat each one stores. So keep your body fit, healthy, and strong. Keep up your exercise. And don't let conditioned muscles become flabby. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Hello, everyone. Um, before the break, I said I was going to come back and talk about oysters, figs, all of these things. And one of the things that, artichokes, one of the things that for most sexy foods, it is also how you eat many of them you eat with your hands. It isn't a knife and fork thing or a chopstick thing. And I remember at one point, one of my sisters wanted to lose weight, and so she said she wasn't going to use a knife and fork. She was going to use only chopsticks. And then the problem became is she became too efficient at using the chopsticks. So she was like, okay, that idea didn't work. She was thinking it would slow down on how much she was eating at the time. After a period of time, she became far too proficient. Anyway, let's talk about oysters. Why are oysters considered to be aphrodisiacal? Well, first off, people would say it's zinc, and that contributes to the health of sperm. Well, yes, indeed. However, the real thing about oysters is because they look so much like genitals. 
and the smoothness. The and to me, oysters taste like the ocean. They just to me, they are just the most fragrant part of ocean. And from the time I was a little kid, I just thought they were you know delicious. The thing that you do not do with oysters is do not enrobe them with evil cocktail sauce. Use a mignonette sauce, which is typically a light vinaigrette, or it can be a um, a champagne vinaigrette that is a light, and you don't need very much. Just, just It's almost like if you're going to use those little forks, just take dot, dot, just put the tines into it and then just put it on top of the oyster. To me, the best way to eat an oyster is out of the shell. So make sure it's loosened off of the base, and then, you know, just tip it into your mouth and eat the whole thing along with the sweetness of the brine. Now, people will say that, you know, they they are, <clears throat> excuse me, they can, you know, are regenerative. If you think they're regenerative, guess what? They're going to be. But the, the sexual performance part of it is that it's, you know, they are loaded with zinc, a key ingredient in testosterone production, which for both sexes, testosterone is the thing that is typically associated with libido. But the thing about oysters, I think, is that you can get a range of different sizes. You can have them on the half shell. You can grill them. That's not my favorite thing to do with oysters because I think they're far better when they are raw. They're just lovely. Now, let's talk about rosemary. One of the things about rosemary is that if you are going to, if you want to keep your focus on something, rosemary, the natural, the essential oil, the volatile oil of rosemary is one of the things that will have you, your mental acuity just come boom, back like that. And if you are having to focus on someone or focus on an event, just take, make sure it's a good essential oil, um, uh, a therapeutic essential oil. Majority of oils that you might buy, it doesn't matter how highly priced they are or what store you're getting them at, they are often not good quality. They haven't, their um, distillation techniques have not been great, particularly if you're wanting to use um, essential oils in food. The best way to use an essential oil, a therapeutic essential oil, in a food, if it's a, one that's okay to be putting in food, is to put it in at the end and do not heat it. Okay, so let's say you had you want to put some lemon into a couple of drops of lemon to bring taste alive. Put it on at the end. Same thing with rosemary. But what it does is it's got a it has rosemary has this charm that it is not just you know the fragrance. It's the little soft needles are another thing that you can play with. There and when you and the fragrance of rosemary so belies how tiny their little needles are. And to me, it is one of the best seasoning things you can put into an olive oil or anything when you are preparing, let's say, a lovely pasta meal. Great. And they're also terrific. Just a little bit to put in with certain veggies and toss them. They make all the flavors. They, they just make flavors come alive. And that's part of the thing about any time you're cooking is you are there to have the senses be stimulated. And with the scent of rosemary, there's no mistake. It's, it's so beautiful. Now, let's talk about 
artichokes. Artichokes themselves, again, something you eat with your fingers, right? And then you get down to the choke, those little sharp, spiky guys on the bottom. You get, take that out of there, and then you have the heart of the artichoke. That is one of the most delicious things you can prepare for someone. And what it also does is it's that when you're eating artichokes, they've got, you know, they, you, you can be dipping it into a lemon butter. You can be dipping it into um, another thing, maybe a little bit of, of hummus. But what you've got is you've got this beautiful petal that you can take the end off and conversation can ensue. It isn't something that you eat, you know, like scarf it down the way a Labrador retriever goes after its food. You can make a um, bruschetta with pureed artichoke if you want. But the real thing about it is that you can put you can put artichokes with a number of different things. Let's say you want to do some barbecuing. You can put a scallop and then a piece of um, artichoke onto a skewer with, and then it was, you know, you can put them on, a little bit of olive oil, heat them up gently, yummy, beyond belief. Now, another thing that people will often talk about is eggplant. Well, why do you think they talk about eggplant? Because of its shape, again. And the same thing with avocado. And also, when you cook, um, when you are cooking your eggplant, it gets that softness that some people find highly, highly appealing. Other people, they don't like it. They think it's too mushy. But the thing with an eggplant is that smooth aubergine color, unbelievably beautiful. And another thing that is great with, and to make with someone are is like a guacamole and using avocados. In the book that I was talking about, Intercourses, the pictures that were taken are absolutely stunning. And what they did is they have um, a woman who is black holding an avocado behind her back, and it's this brilliant green of the avocado against the darkness of her skin, and it's stunning. It is an absolutely beautiful look. But the other thing about um, avocados is that they have a great, uh, lots of natural oils, great. They're one of the best natural oils, great for your skin, one of the best sources that you can get. And the other thing that they will do is they have, if you put them in with a guacamole, um, you've got this beautiful thing that you can put onto uh, a cracker. You can feed to your partner. You, again, you know, be careful about how much onion or how much, um, garlic you may want to put into it. But the beauty of it is that the <clears throat> avocado inside of it, and this is a woman by the name of Cynthia Watson, is they, <laughs> at one point in the Aztec culture, they were deemed so powerful that for it, they, village virgins were forbidden to step, to put their little virginal toe outside the house while the fruit was being gathered because they, you know, considered them to be, the, the name that they actually had for them, hukato, uh, means actual testicle. Cute, but again, not likely kids. Um, so with another thing that is 
highly um, uh, aphrodisiacal for many people are pine nuts. And that is something that can be used in uh, when you are making um, any type of a uh, nut dish. They are actually, when you, if you go to try and buy pine nuts, they are super expensive. They are not, you know, they're, they are, they are tiny, sweet. You can substitute other nuts if you want, but there isn't anything that replaces the taste of them. So Americans will eat the Mexican nut, but the communities around the uh, northwestern Himalayas will, who rejoice the most about this, they were the ones that got the pignola, pignolis, and they are a beautiful flavor. You can use them. They're, they're considered to be a kernel of love. You can put them in, you can make a little pie out of them, you can make a dressing out of them. What, you know, your, it really is, the thing that I love about cooking is you can create a fantasy in your mind and then fill it with that food. So if you are going to be making a seduction dinner, one of the first things you need to do is look at how can I, how can I take care of all of my senses with each of these dishes. There are a couple of, you know, people will say you can use ginger. Again, ginger is considered to be aphrodisiacal, you know, the heat of it, the um, putting it in with other products, other food. But the real thing you need to do is find something that is fun for you to make. Maybe your way of entering into the, you know, sexy food and, and a seduction meal is a lovely cocktail. And so become good at that. I mean, I've done, I've <laughs> helped a friend of mine. We would do uh, cocktails, what we call phone tails. And I would walk him through when we were first doing it. Here's what you do. And see, here's the thing. You don't have to be in the same room with someone to share in sexy food. You can set the whole thing, and I'm gonna. We're coming up to our next break. Um, any questions you have, be sure to send me a question on. You know, contact me at loopadget.com, and I'll get back to you as quickly as I can. I'm the only one who responds to the questions. But when we come back, I will go through the how to have phone tales and how to continue over a phone or over Skype. Be right back. Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with your host, Lou Paget. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more Sex Talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Many of us look forward to the holidays all year long. It is such a magnificent opportunity to get together with family and friends and decorate and give gifts and eat the most delicious food. But numerous people dread the holidays. As far as their weight, health, and exercise are concerned, they know they'll have so much temptation and chances to derail their healthy lifestyle. Many just resolve themselves into thinking that gaining weight over the holidays is a fact and there is no way to avoid it. But it doesn't have to be that way. 
I want you to embrace the holidays. Have a plan before you go to any dinner, party, or event and decide what you're going to eat and stick with it. Yes, there will be temptation, but you can overcome it. Stay with the plan and reap the benefits. You can contact us at fitnessminute at annettehammond.com. Reaching out from the heartland of the United States with quality programming, this is Tokinet Radio. was the first item ever sold on eBay? Believe it or not, it was a broken laser pointer sold in September 1995 for $14.83. The founder of eBay asked the buyer if he knew the laser pointer was broken when he bought it. The owner simply said, I'm a collector of broken laser pointers. Seems pointless to me, but this seemingly worthless item was a bellwether of merchandise to follow. Here are some Jifu jets or other unnecessary items that have been sold on eBay. Some goostrum noodles will buy anything, even a cornflake. Yes, a cornflake shaped like the state of Illinois, sold for about $1,350. What was one of the most expensive eBay.com purchases? A $140 million yacht. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Before the break, I said I'd... I said I would talk to you about uh, how to do phone tales and how to have, you can, because here's the thing, you can still be sharing sexy food with someone, whether it's via Skype, you know, FaceTime, or, you know, on the phone with someone. And here's how you do it. You, and the idea for this came about when I was a student in New York, and my family always had um, cocktail hour. So that was sort of this, you know, that was the signature, you know, the, significant time or, you know, the signal that your day of, you know, uh, work was done and you were now ready to relax. So my twin sister and I would, we would have phone tales. So it goes like this. Let's say your idea of a way to start a sexy conversation with someone is to have that cocktail. So let's say you want to make a Manhattan. So you get the rye that you prefer or the whiskey that you prefer. Make sure you have your Angostura bitters. Make sure you have some red vermouth. Make sure you have, you know, sometimes you can get those little sour cherries, but some, most times people will use like a maraschino cherry. And chill your glass. And you chill your glass by, and so what you do is you tell the person the things you're doing so that they know how you're setting it up. You tell them what type of a shaker you're using. You tell them, you know, and then you shake, you know, so that both of you know that, you know, you're doing using what type of, you know, shake and stir it, however you'd like. And then tell them the type of glass you're going to be using so they have the visual of it. And then tell them where you're going to be sitting and set up so that they know what you are doing and they will do the same with you. That way, the two of you are literally, and so if we think about you are what you you are what you think about, you literally have put yourself from a quantum energetic standpoint 
where they are. Now, isn't that cool? I think that's great. So whatever it is, whether it's a martini or a glass of wine, and by the way, a true martini is gin-based. It's not vodka. They will now call them a vodka martini, but a true martini is gin-based. And it has dry vermouth with it. Uh, so, but make sure that, you know, you, and here's another thing. You can go to a mixologist. When I do speaking engagements, one of the things they will often ask me is, because I do uh, ladies first and then I do the gentlemen's presentation, they often say, well, what else can we be doing with the, you know, the other, you know, group while you're speaking? And I said, well, uh, one of the things that many people will do now is they will bring in a mixologist and have people create their own cocktails after I've spoken to them so that I don't get, you know, a bunch of people who are, you know, you know, mi- you know mildly to wildly uh, inebriated coming into a presentation. But the thing for anything that you're doing when you're creating these, you know, the sexy food, I went online and I looked at some of the things and I was like, oh, no, that is not going to work. You know, some people, they don't like um, certain foods. Make sure that when you're preparing it, here's the thing. You can call someone and say, look, I'm thinking of preparing um, a flank steak that has been stuffed with uh, certain type of cheese, a fontina cheese or something, and some chopped up peppers, and then rolled up, and they're almost like a roulade, they're like a little ring, and then you grill them quickly on both sides. Um, anytime you're asking someone what they like to taste and eat, you are feeding into a form of seduction for them. Because your most seductive behavior is your attention. And to do this for someone is fabulous. Those, you know, there are times when, you know, someone may not be interested in the thing that you think is, like, really marvelous. I happen to think that, you know, chicken livers are terrific, but most people are kind of like, nah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, some people think that eating cherries, again, because of their plumpness, because of, you know, whatever they may think is the thing that has, you know, the uh, an aphrodisiacal quality to it, the color of them, that because we only can get cherries at certain times of the year, usually summer, right? Now, what are, if you are going to be planning something like this, you also have to take into consideration what your table's going to look like or how you are going to be dressed while you're preparing the food, right? So if it's something there, you know, you're both going to put little aprons on and do something, that's part of the absolute fun factor. If it is something that you are going to carry out to a picnic, that's another thing to do. Make sure that you've got the, you know, the little, all the little things in the little cups. Those are things that it's like one of those things that the smaller the amount is, often the more precious it seems to be. So if you've got a little bit of a very nice potato salad or you've got a little bit of coleslaw, anything in those little teeny ramekin things, that often makes it, you know, so much better than a great big huge bowl where, you know, all the liquids in the bottom. You want to have something that is for each person. In the same way, so let's say you're going to make a burger. Burgers can be highly, you know, because really what they are is they're such a comfort food. Because for many people, 
comfort foods are the things that they look for when they want to relax. So it could be a really nice macaroni and cheese. If you are going to make macaroni and cheese, nix on the boxed crap, okay? Don't do that to yourself. First off, it's like you are just eating toxic chemicals. Ugh. And start with a lovely white sauce, which is you start with the roux, which is the butter and the flour together over a double boiler. Get that to melt. Then you slowly add in um, the milk to make it thicker, and then you add in your shredded cheeses. And get a cheese that has a very um, th- that has a, a lot of flavor to it. Don't use what they refer to as, you know, American cheddar. Ugh. It's not great. Go for a strong aged cheddar. Then you are going to get a really nice sauce. Then you cook your elbow macaroni. Get it lovely. Mix in with the mix the the cheese sauce with it. Put it into the oven. Put if you want to put tomatoes on the top, great. Some people will put back bacon or as they call it Canadian bacon. Put that on the top and bake it for you know 35 40 minutes at 350. You have the best macaroni and cheese. And when you make a food, if, if any of you have ever watched, I was it's funny. I was listening to this one man. Um, and he was talking about how he ended up choosing to be a chef. It was because of the film Ratatouille. When he was a young boy, he watched it, and he was like, that's what I want to do. Well, in Ratatouille, there's the scene where the critic, he, because Ratatouille is like the dish. It's the vegetable dish where all of the flavors are blended together, and that's what the, the little rat made for the critic that had him, like that thing that goes, do 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 back to when his mother made it for him when he was a child. So anytime there's a food that, you know, those if you're going out with someone and you know they have a close family or something that, that they really did things together, they, you know, holiday together, find out if there's a dish that was from their family that was important for them to have at a certain time. Um, I happen to know that one person, there's a certain type of cookie that was made. And the thing that's so hilarious, the first time they were made, I had no idea they made like seven dozen. So here's two people with, you know, 144 or whatever it was, cookies. And it's like, now what do we do with these things? But the important thing about it was that flavor and that texture was something that so reminded them of something that made them feel good. And, you know, you may not have, you know, the exact twist on it that their mother did or their sister did or something, but if you are, if you are able to make something that reminds them of where they came from, that can be one of the most seductive things that you can do. And it can be something as simple as, the cranberry sauce that someone made. Again, natural fruit, the, the sweetness, the tartness. You can put a little bit of cinnamon in it. Again, the considered aphrodisiacal. But what you are doing is you're appealing to all parts of someone's appetite because our appetite is in our brain. It isn't just and our appetite. Here's the other thing. When you're thinking about doing anything, When you're thinking about doing it, if you feel the energy from your neck up, that's your ego thinking about it. If you feel when you're thinking about something and from your neck down, if you feel it more in your heart or you feel it in your, you know, solar plexus in your gut, 
you are probably doing the right thing. Because that, you know, for some people, one of the best things that can happen is to walk into a place where someone is creating a meal that's being made for them. And, of course, we can't forget music. Get Hey, listen, you don't have to have a major sound system. Go on to YouTube and just enter in smooth jazz music. You can have every possible thing there you could imagine. That, and then again, your light. I mean, it could be a bright light of day. It could be the more subdued lighting. But when you are creating food for someone, that is a gift. And, you know, a friend and I made a whole bunch of recipes for these two women who were traveling and working up to the very last day uh, this past holiday season. And so what we did is we used all the recipes that are, you know, what we consider to be holiday cookies and holiday baking. They couldn't have been more touched because it was something that was so out of left field from what they were expecting, and it was such an unexpected delight. So you can do, you can do sexy, attentive food any time all year long. It just really depends on, you know, what your appetite is, how much food, how you like to prepare food. To me, food is one of the best, cooking is one of the most relaxing things that I can do because I don't have to do it every day for a bunch of kids. I can just do it for myself. And that, again, is another thing. Many times people have to cook all the time and they don't get to cook the things they want. So this is a chance to do that. So I trust this has been fun for you. Go and find some recipes online. Go and have fun. And, you know, who cares if you don't know how to do it? Just try it. It'll be a blast. If you can read and you can turn your hand like this, you can enjoy. Bye for now. Have a fabulous week. Thank you for being a part of Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with host Lou Paget. Every week, this will be your chance to be a fly on the wall and learn about one of the most important parts of our health, our sexual health. Join Lou Paget 